0: Before you all get into this episode just a little bit of a warning that I on my end had some audio issues. I'm not sure if a wire came loose while we were recording but the result is that my audio is not very clear no matter how we tried to clean it up uh, it's still it just sounds like I'm coming in on a bad cell phone connection. So sorry about that. Just want to give everyone a warning um, about the audio quality. Now, for this episode, we actually have a transcript to go with it, so if you would like to read along as you listen to the audio, or if you would like to abandon the audio completely and take a look at the transcript, then it will be there for you in the show notes. Sorry about that, guys. Welcome to The Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weisswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be discussing celebrity book clubs, doing a little bit of a follow up. Uh, I checked and. The last time we did a show on celebrity book clubs was two years ago. So it was in the fall of 2018 when we had Sarah on and we discussed, I guess at the time was a a developing trend of celebrities hosting book clubs. So we're here to see how they've changed or evolved in the last couple of years and whether or not we still feel the same way, I guess, about them as we did. Um, which ones we really vibe with, what are the major differences, and any newcomers on the block. So, of course, before we get to that, we will do a little bit of what we've been reading and any of the latest book news that we want to discuss. So, Gail, why don't you let us know what you've been reading?
1: Sure. So, when when we last talked, had I finished Saving Ruby King? I can't remember. Okay. I don't think so. I finished Saving Ruby King by Catherine Adele West, and um, I think for a debut novel, excuse me, a debut novel, it was really good. Uh, this is the story of kind of institutional uh, racism and generational violence and trauma in some families in the South Side of Chicago. It takes place in the present, but it goes back to like the '60s, and then follows sort of traces what's happened to these families over the intervening years. I think like from a, so the way the book was constructed and the plot, it was really, really good. It sort of felt Shakespearean to me in the ways in which like this kind of the repetition of these, these like, um, generational issues and, and the way, I don't know, it's hard to describe how, she does it but she she just structures it really well and there's there's a lot of kind of teasing out of this story over time my only gripe with it was there was a lot of repetition and a lot of like tell don't show which i think is maybe the mark of just a, of an inexperienced writer and i'm sure over time she'll get better at that but i think she spent a lot of time saying like this is how this person was feeling as opposed to showing so that that kind of bothered me but i really like the book in general and i would recommend it and then the other book I finished was Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam, which I think we have talked about multiple times on the show so far this fall. And um, I ended up liking it. it I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give too much away. It is not a book for people who like tidy, neat endings because it has <laughs> a rather ambiguous ending. And I will say that when I finished the book, I felt very unsettled. like I was kind of stressed out for a couple of hours. Because it's got an apocalyptic edge to it. And it talks about, you know, the potential for major catastrophe across the East Coast and presumably the country, which, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, it's like adding stress on top of stress. So if you're not in the mood for that right now, I would not pick up Leave the World Behind. But uh, I really liked it. I liked it better than that kind of mother. I thought there was a lot of, um, detail about class and about race and about parenting in there. And it was, it was really good. So again, don't pick it up if you don't want to be stressed out. So that's leave the world (laughs) behind. And then I've picked up two books in the, in the week to follow. I started doing the giver of stars by Jojo Moyes on audio. That's my book club book for this month for November, I guess. And um, I'm also reading The Boys Club by Erica Katz, which is a book that came out over the summer about life in a intense white shoe law firm in New York City and about a, a woman who starts out there as an associate uh, in the mergers and acquisitions group of this firm and uh, what happens to her. I'm only maybe 50 pages in right now, but so far so good. Hmm is that a little bit of a thriller? You said, what happens to her? Uh, I don't know yet if it's going to be a thriller. I think it's more like a workplace drama. Like it's about her life in this group and what it's like to work with the men in the group. And, um, I don't know. I'll tell you in a week. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was giving off the firm type vibe. I don't think there's like a murder (laughs) or it's like a big mystery to solve. I think that you know she's going to be tested in terms of her own kind of ethics and what she's comfortable with, and I think she's going to be working really hard and has to decide like does this sort of jibe with her view of work-life balance. But I don't think that there's anything beyond that that's Sinister. going to be tolerable. Yeah, but I could be wrong. I may right. be surprised. So what was that? What we'll was the name of that again? The Boys Club by Erica. The Katz. Boys Club. Yeah. Okay.
0: So is this giving you any flashbacks?
1: <laughs> yes, it it is. Like I'm sort of trying to remember what it was like for me to be a first-year associate in a big law firm. And I don't think that my experience will be as intense as hers was, although I mean I certainly had intense nights, but uh yes, it's definitely sucking me back into the world of being a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> for better or worse. So that's what I've got going on. How about you? Okay, so I picked up The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Ooh.
0: It was calling to me, I think, a little bit of fantastical element. I'm just not doing well with books in reality right now. I, I tend mm-hmm. to ebb and flow with those. So I picked it up and I can answer some of our questions that we had last week. It is a book where not only do people forget her or she leaves no mark on people, it is instantaneous or just within the course of 24 hours. Like She'll spend a night with someone. And they wake up in the next morning and, you know, she kind of looks at them and they have to pretend that they know who she is or how she got there. So that kind of angst is present throughout. And she is, it's kind of interesting because even though it's, it has elements, I guess, of what would be fantastical, it's not in the sense that this woman in 1714 is just so disappointed and distraught by her options that she makes this deal to get away from just being married and not having a life where she makes a mark on anything. And part of the curse is that she really doesn't leave a mark on anyone. Like no one remembers who she is. It's kind of interesting how they describe how she moves moves through the world because if no one's really going to remember that you were there, she can get away with something like... Sometimes she buys things if she likes the vendor. Sometimes she shoplifts, <laughs> mm-hmm. takes what she needs because the person is not going to, you know, five minutes later, they're not going to remember that she was ever there or. So it is, it's intriguing in those aspects. And I it's about 40 pages in, even though I've been reading it over the, the last week, kind of just in little dribs and drabs when I have a moment, but I think it's a good one to tuck me into this world and figure out what is going on with this woman. Mm, okay. So I'm still in the middle of a bunch of things that I I have not finished, picked up and have not finished. I won't even go into that. But something exciting did happen yesterday. I took a trip to Beacon, New York, just this cute little town on the Hudson. And of course, went to the bookstore. Usually I go to Binnacle Books, but because of the pandemic and COVID, they have, it's a very small bookstore, so they have an appointment only Ooh. kind of, kind of thing. Like, I guess you take a slot and, and then they kind of close it down and you get to browse around the bookstore. So I wasn't able to go there, but I did go to Beacon Books, which is their used bookstore. And I got what looks like an entirely brand new copy of the flight portfolio by Julie Oranger. Mm-hmm. And I had it in my mind that I wanted to read this book, so I was so excited to find it. Looking Christine on the shelf for five bucks. But when I read the description, I realized that I must have been thinking another book that maybe had a similar cover. Uh, this one seems like it's going to be interesting, too, even though I probably would have dismissed it for being related to World War II. But it is about... Um, a journalist and and editor who makes the decision to save artists who are living in, I guess, Germany and France and any place where they might be threatened by the events of the war. So he bands together with people and he goes to be the ground person in order to figure out the logistics of transporting artists, you know, and saving their art. And I guess one of the artists that he is trying to rescue is Mark Chagall. So like on the first page of the book, he's discovering some difficulty in in trying to to figure out how he will transport him out of the country. So it seems rather intriguing. The other one is this book called Loose Girl, a memoir of promiscuity. And it just looks good. I was flipping through it. It seems like it's that... Partly on the Upper East Side of New York, it's about a woman who talks about, I guess, how she became promiscuous. Um, it's her story of addiction and, I guess, her problems with her family and how it led her to look for love in all the wrong places. And then flipping through it, it just seemed really well-written and honest. And so you know, it was a find. You know, never heard of this book or this author. Nice. I love that. Yeah, right. So I got two books that I did not expect because I thought this was, I thought the flight portfolio was going to be something else entirely, but it it looks really good.
1: I've definitely seen that one around. I I feel like it was a hot book a year ago or hotly anticipated because it is
0: literary fiction. I don't know that I've seen a lot of it besides when I saw when it when it was coming out and that, you know, this author is, is acclaimed, but,
1: and I've never read any of her other books. Um, I have a question for you. So I have three categories left of my everyday I write the book reading challenge. And okay. categories are time travel, epistolary novel, and then pick a book, any book, which means you just go up to your bookshelf with your eyes closed and tap on a book and read it. So I started reading one for Time Travel, um, The Dream Daughter by Diane Chamberlain. And I picked it up and started it the other night. And for whatever reason, I was like, just not feeling it right then. That's when I switched over to The Boys Club. Right. Have you, have you read The Dream Daughter? No. Because people rave about it. And people rave about her. And I don't know anything about it. So I was curious if you were going to give me some encouragement to go back to it. <laughs> <laughs> no. I know, Mary... Mary really liked it. Yeah. And I think the Currently Reading podcast really liked it. I don't know. So what is it about it that is not, what do you think it is? Oh, I don't know. I mean, there was nothing specific. It just was kind of like, just not really like doing it for me right then.
0: I don't know. I feel like every book that I read this year gets an after it because so much of it is Sometimes I feel like so much of the structure of books or getting into books is about mindset and how how much you're able to, I guess, allow yourself to be immersed in a certain world. I was talking to my mother about this. She just read a book that, you know, I think that under normal circumstances, she suspects that she might like, but it was a lot of characters. It was a lot. Of things going on and it's just really hard to do that when you either have a lot going on in your life or just constant low-level pandemic stress. I'm just having a hard time I'm reading books that I know I would connect with. Like even the Tana French book, it's just, there's so much detail, which I think I normally would like, but it's about this guy of course who has moved into this house and he is remodeling it um just doing a bunch of restoration work and when I tell you she's talking about standing down pieces and runners and the kind of tools that are used and in what shape (laughs) I just can't just like okay so when is something gonna happen so (laughs) I think all of that detail that I normally would have appreciated in terms of setting the scene or whatever that now with just a million low-level, stressful things going on and other things going on. I just can't give myself to it. Right. I'm just like, is the paint going to dry next on the wall? You know, can we? But it's starting to move a little bit along, but I did put it aside for the moment for the the invisible life of Addie LaRue. I am in no way abandoning Tana French, but, you know, just right now. Right.
1: I think you're right. And I think what's also interesting, too, about the pandemic is... Like for me, anyway, it's not like my I'm consistent. Uh, it's just I'm I'm like a mood reader on steroids. Like, yeah, like one a book might be bad one week, but it might be fine the next as far as a, a fit and inter- a genre fit for what I'm in the mood for. So it's not even like I'm rejecting one whole category of books and have done that since March. It just means that if at the minute I pick it up, it doesn't click with me. I have a hard time powering through.
0: Right. And that's the same, like, it's not like I haven't read any literary fiction or things that have been more detailed, but it just has to be the right moment where, I don't know, I've had like some burst of clarity or just whatever it is about that moment that's supportive of me being able to do that kind of deep reading and concentration. And sometimes I have it and sometimes I don't. So everything is just sort of hit or miss. And it's definitely when I put things to the side or if I don't like something, it is, you know, is this just kind of stress and not really reading this at the wrong moment, you know, which I think there was a lot less of in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well i yes, mood reading on steroids <laughs> is exactly right
1: yeah and th- those moods shift very <laughs> very quickly very quickly well people love the dream daughter I, I another thing was like i went on goodreads and i found like a third a three-star review that called it cheesy and then all of a sudden my like antenna were up i was like is it cheesy is it cheesy is that cheesy or that cheesy and you're looking for the cheese <laughs> yeah and i was like mode had been kind of motoring along until i read that review <laughs> so uh it's not fair but I got to read a, a, a time travel book and I, that's been on my shelf a very long time. So I'm going to come back to it at some some point before the end of the year. Right. Time, yeah. Well, maybe around Christmas, which brings me to
0: book news and a little bit of cheese not cheese, but romance. Yeah. Shonda Rhimes, you know, a year or two years ago, signed a huge deal with Netflix to produce a bunch of films. One of which is going for series, I guess. One series is going to be uh, the book that you just read. Is it my life with Anna? Oh, uh, my friend, Anna, my friend, Anna. Yeah. So one of them is going to be that. And the other Mm -hmm. one is going to be an adaptation of the Bridgerton series that Julie Quinn did, which I think I have one of those that I tried to listen, started trying to listen to on audio. It's, a Regency historical period, I think early 1800s. Um, so
1: that's coming out on Christmas on Netflix. And um, I will definitely watch my Grand Anna adaptation. Yeah,
0: well, that's not coming out on Christmas. The interesting thing about that is because of the son of Sam Law, she, apparently Anna Delvey herself, whose name is Anna Sorokin, had signed a deal with Netflix for several thousand dollars, like, I mean, I don't think several thousand is the word, probably a hundred thousand or more dollars deal with them. And I guess the first $30,000 installment that she got went to her lawyer. So they allowed it, but she's got this other series of payments due. One, one is $70,000 and probably I think she gets more for a consulting fee on the show that they're trying to block because it is the, I guess, the spoils from a commission of a crime. Mm. Mm-hmm. So either they want to block her from getting it or
1: redirect those funds to her victims and you know replacing the money that they lost. Now is that the same as the Shonda Rhimes series, or is, or is that something different?
0: Yes, this is the Netflix Shonda Rhimes series oh, okay, that I it. It, that I think they were in talks with her for. And it'll be in dispute with how much she'll get. And apparently she's going to be up for parole soon. So never mind that you can go to jail for marijuana for years and years. But Yes. Rob people blind and and spend time in jail for a
1: year. um, I have some book news too. Okay. So Reese Witherspoon is adapting Where the Crawdads Sing into a movie. And it is going to be cast with um, Daisy Edgar Jones, who's the woman who starred in... In Normal People. Normal People, right. Right. As Marion. Um, or Marianne. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Like, I, I don't know. you mean the know. casting or Crawdads itself? Well, I'm not in the least bit surprised that Crawdads is being made into a movie. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about her starring as that as Kia. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because to me she's always going to be Marion, and I right. s- just seems like she embodied that character so perfectly. So it's hard for me to imagine her as someone else. And. Such a completely different character too. Like it's just everything about her is so different. Everything about the two characters is so different, it's hard to see. I don't know. What do you think about that?
0: I never finished watching normal people. Oh, you didn't? Okay. <laughs> so I'm not as as married to it as that. I'm not surprised. I mean, this is Reese Witherspoon. We'll get to her a little bit more as we begin our book club discussion, but this is one of her picks, so I mean it's kind of like we knew this was coming. I guess the casting part is is the big surprise. Um I was reading an article too on that that mentions the author's past, how uh I think we talked about it on the show before how she had been to Zambia with her husband and there was an unfortunate shooting of an African man that they were sort of connected to. She denies being involved, but There was a whole long New Yorker article about, I guess, her views on conservation and and I don't know. I guess her relationship with the people in Africa who were helping her in Zambia, helping her, helping them with their con con uh, ah, I can't say this word, conservation efforts Mm -hmm. of animal wildlife and. So that's kind of interesting to me, like that's how that came up again.
1: Huh.
0: I don't know. I like I said, we talked about this book. I don't remember if it was a book club pick or if we had both read it and just kind of talked about it. I started out really liking it and kind of liked it less as it went on. Um for so the one thing it got a little bit too fantastical and neat for me. And there was just a lot of, as you would say, I think, coincidence in terms of her education. But I also was a little, uh, I don't know, her relationship with the Black characters in that book kind of bothered me a little. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, like what are the changes that are made with the movie, if any, or the series. Because they definitely, Reese Witherspoon and team changed um the one that she did with Kerry Washington quite a bit uh, Little Fires
1: Everywhere mm-hmm. did you ever watch that probably not I didn't um you I mean we've talked about the fact I didn't love the book um I'm not opposed to watching it I just haven't gotten to it
0: yeah I started watching it and didn't finish it hmm, okay like I just I felt the changes that they were taking were just so wild and some of them were so unrealistic I guess in changing the order of the way the events unfolded and uh, the way they handled the adoption. I don't, it just got a little bit ridiculous for me and I just never went back.
1: I think if you adapt a book to a movie or to a show, if you change things, you have to accept the fact you're going to alienate people who've read the book. And I'm sure usually the audience of people who've read the book is a lot smaller than the potential audience of people who will watch it. and so. They don't care, but I, you know, it, the, I think the best adaptations are the ones that are extremely faithful to the the underlying subject. Right. That's partly why I love Normal People so much, is because there were so few deviations from the book throughout the series. Right. There were a couple. They tamped down the mom a little bit. She wasn't quite as evil in the in the series as she was in the book. But for the most right. part, the book was very faithful and the pacing was right and everything just felt looked exactly as it had unfurled on the pages. And if you yeah. too many liberties, like I think it, you get so distracted as a, as a viewer, you're like, that's not the way that's supposed to be. And then it's hard to, it's hard to get back into it.
0: Right. And with little fires everywhere, I think that they tried to update it with race, which I don't think was necessarily a problem. You know, they have Kerry Washington's character, uh, is black in the adaptation, and she was not in the novel. Even though it's, you know, there were she was very poor, so there was a class thing that was going on that is kind of more pronounced when you have it played by a black actor and, and have it concerning a black family. I don't even think that bothered me as much, but they just had this twist that I cannot say without spoiling the book or the movie that was just so dramatic and so unrealistic that someone would do this that it just it just undermined my faith in the rest of what I was going to be seeing. And maybe there were other things that it would have resolved itself and it would have been okay, but I just couldn't get past this. It's just like, this is so dumb that this woman just did this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I couldn't go any further. Yes. All right, so... Now that we've gotten off on that movie tangent, but can I just mention I saw Rebecca, oh. the new the new one with Lily James and Army Hammer, and uh, I think it was also script- Kristen Scott Thomas was in it as Mrs. Danvers, and it got terrible reviews, like <laughs> just really horrible reviews. I thought it was pretty faithful. I mean, it was it was harmless. I won't, wouldn't say. Oh my gosh, it was riveting, or it was the best. You know, I think that there's just so much camp and drama attached to the really old version of Rebecca that you know sometimes these the newer adaptations come out and they're kind of toothless. You know, like oh, I watched this; it was it was fine, but
1: you know, I enjoyed it. (laughs) I never read the book, so I really no. Should I? If there's ever a if you know, if you ever
0: have something, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should read that together.
1: I'd love to. Yeah, I think you should read it. Is it? What kind of I mean, other than it being a classic, what genre of story is it? I would, it's gothic. Okay.
0: It's like, you know, coolest young woman marries older, you know, older married man whose wife has just died and they go and live in this huge house with like a creepy housekeeper. Ooh. Okay. So I'll tell you what I have this in mind specifically for, but I don't want to spoil the
1: surprise for our listeners. Okay. We'll talk about it after the show. All right. So are we finally ready to move on to Celebrity Book Club? (gasps) I think so. All All right. right. So we looked at four book clubs. Um, I know there's other ones out there. These are just the four that we looked for this time around. Um, and we looked at what they read in 2020. So for the most part, just the last nine months, although some of these lists may go back a little further than that. So we looked at Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine book club. We looked at Oprah book club. Uh, I don't know if she calls it a book club, but Oprah's picks, last four of Oprah's picks. We looked at no, the she's a book club again. Is it a call to book club? Okay. Um,
0: yeah, they we're doing it on Apple TV, but I think probably, I don't know how many people were subscribing to Apple Plus in order to see her book club, and now they've expanded it. I think it's a podcast
1: now. Okay. Um, then we looked at the Read with Jenna books from Today Show, I think it is. And then we looked at Ashley Spivey's picks for her online book club, which she mostly does through Facebook, through the Spivey book club group. And we just made a list of what the books were, uh, which we can read if you if that's helpful. And I think we just wanted to talk a little bit about like the flavor of each book club and if there's one that we gravitate towards more. And I and, found a couple more that I want to add. To this oh, question. go ahead. Um,
0: Well, we can get to those in a minute. Let's start with Reese Witherspoon. Basically, I think that she just started, she was sharing pics on her Instagram of what she had been reading, what she really loved. And as it turned out, those you know started to be things that she was producing. So I don't think she necessarily started with it as a book club, but people follow her, of course, for her movies and definitely were interested in the books that she was reading and it kind of expanded from there. So I think that her picks have really changed because when you look at them, she did Big Little Lies. you know, we have the adaptation of Little Fires Everywhere, but she did Wild, she produced Gone Girl. Um, she has Luckiest Girl Alive by Jessica Knoll, I think it's in the works. Daisy Jones and the Six is are in the works. So she's you know, she did she's behind Where the Proz sing, and I think she's gonna be doing Leanne Moriarty's Truly Madly Guilty. And that's the book that I just absolutely just loathed. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the people were so terrible in that book. Oh my gosh. Um, but so her picks in the beginning, I think maybe because she was looking for books that she wanted to produce and star in, they were very... She didn't have a lot of diversity in her earlier picks. No. And I think that's changed.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that Reese got caught up with the times this summer, and she definitely has more diversity and more kind of like social, uh, like social justice type themes coming up. So the last few, at least, have diverse heroines. So his only wife, which takes place in Ghana, the last story of Mina Lee. I did not read that, but. Um I think that it takes place. It's the, the lead character is Asian. So I, I I can't remember where exactly it takes place, but at least she's not white. Um then she did Edward Dandicott's Everything Inside and Austin Channing Brown's I'm Still Here. And I think that, you know, it shows probably what was a deliberate turn on her part to include more diverse voices. Before that, we also know. had that scandal.
0: Ooh, what scandal? There was like a scandal when she tried to do a giveaway of, of Draper James dresses, um, which is her clothing company. And I don't know, it was hard for me to figure out. I just, I guess, because having done giveaways for a while, you know, over the years as a book blogger you kind of know that only a certain amount of people are going to get them. I guess there was some misunderstanding about how many people were actually going to get this, get dresses. I think she had a hundred dresses. Maybe they were worth a hundred dollars each. So I think just the, the magnitude of the campaign because she has so much reach and so many people signed up and their chances of getting dresses were, minuscule and i think she was she was promoting it as helping teachers like helping teachers have a wardrobe or something so she was i don't know almost taking advantage of dude living, i guess and she got into a, a bit of trouble over that
1: mm.
0: interesting i never heard about that so all of this comes you know in light of the pandemic and i think that happened maybe early winter of 2020 hmm who knows? could have been a year ago. Time is so strange now. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think that she, on a bunch of different levels, is, is, you know, trying to be more inclusive and trying to be more maybe deliberate and pay more attention to what she's doing.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um... You know, and that plays into her casting, changing Carrie Washington's character to being Black. I mean, obviously she's making an effort. It just, you know, the books that she had leading up to I'm Still Here are The Guest List, The Henna Artist, Untamed, The Jet Setters, The Scent Keeper, and Such a Fun Age. <laughs> Other than Such a Fun Age, that's a pretty white list, I think. I haven't read most of those, but I think that that's a pretty white list.
0: And even such a fun age, it was written by a, a black writer and the there is a black main character, but it, it also does have a central white mommy blogger, I guess,
1: mm-hmm. or,
0: she, or lifestyle blogger. Yeah, the Instagrammer, she yeah. She plays a central...
1: Alix. Alix. A central, right. <laughs> Alix. Yeah. I mean, I think Reese picks books that she relates to. And I think that, you know, probably a lot of the people who read and follow her book club are people that are kind of like her and are aspiring to be like her. Um, So in that, in that sense, I'm glad that she's getting more diverse because maybe she's getting books into hands of people who wouldn't otherwise read them. But I think that's an opportunity to see, I mean,
0: when you talk about, about people like you or people like her, We're talking about things that are phenotypical, you know, as opposed to we both have the same job. We try to raise families. You know, these are things that are very central to the experience of being a woman. I mean, because her picks are basically they're all women. So to say that they need to be white or to have grown up white, I mean, she could easily... Well, she could not easily play. If she's picked a diverse book, there's no way she could play. A diverse character because it would be called whitewashing. But you can promote books and recommend books that are still central to your experience and experiences that you've had, even if the person does not share your racial identity.
1: All right. So what's up next? Um, the next time I list was Oprah. And I only had four books from her in 2020. I don't know if I looked in the wrong place, but I only saw four. So maybe she's doing them like every other month.
0: Yeah. Her deal with Apple is that she would do them every other month. Okay. And so uh, there's a reading guide and I guess you have a good amount of time to read it. And then she usually will talk with the author about, um,
1: about the pick. Okay. And her picks this year are interesting. They are interesting. Um, she has Cast by Isabel Wilkerson, Deacon King Kong, Hidden Valley Road, and American Dirt. And I think, was her pick of American Dirt, was that what's kind of jump-started the controversy around that book? Yes. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, it amplified it. I think that there was controversy just because she got such a huge advance because of the topic that she was writing about, uh, the treatment of it. And then in addition to that, I think she had already been picked as Oprah's book club.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then Oprah had to kind of deal with that fallout, which is why I think that her, her books mostly are, the rest of them seems like they've been very diverse racial justice type. Right. Let's understand each other more type picks. Because Oprah is usually pretty wide ranging. and. Yeah she has books brought to her attention. I don't think that, you know, I think that she definitely has help in picking her books
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, it seemed like American dirt I means she was able to further some conversations around it, but you know, I don't think she wants to see herself in the middle of controversy like that again.
1: No, I'm sure not. Um, Yeah. So hidden Valley road is the book about the family where there's a bunch of sons and they're, um, a huge amount of them have schizophrenia. Is that right? I, I'm right. I'm back confusing that with another book. Okay. Um, Deacon King Kong and Cast. Uh, I have yet to read either one of them. Deacon King Kong, I keep hearing mixed reviews of. I feel like you at least started it. Did you ever read it? I read Deacon King Kong. I can see why there would be mixed reviews. It
0: It's a rangy novel, I would say, to read. I I really liked it because it's set in a housing project, but I think that you really don't see it like that. I mean, it's just kind of the location for it, but it's the background of this community who have been through different things over the years and come together to help in a situation where a senior has shot a drug dealer who doesn't die. So he's under pressure of retaliation. I think that James McBride writes, he, he's very verbose in his writing. Like there's lots of things that go on. I think it can be a little bit rambling. You definitely, it's, uh, yeah, rangy. It's wide ranging. He touches on a lot of different things. So. I can see why that that might not necessarily be everyone's cup of tea. Like I read it with a friend and we discussed it and I mostly enjoyed it. I thought it was a little too long. You know, I think they could rein him in a little bit, but I also think that he's one of these authors that has written multiple books and is probably just doing whatever he wants right now. I mean, the good Lord bird is an adaptation and I can't remember what channel it's on. I want to check it out, but uh, I think it's Ethan Hawke who is mm-hmm. in that one. Yeah, he plays John Brown. Right. I want to check that out. That has an interesting, uh, backstory to it because he, John Brown is in it and I think he takes someone under his wing who he believes to be a boy or, or maybe it's a female. It's one of those. And they have to keep pretending that they are that in order to. I think they're hiding out from something, and of course, get involved in John Brown's plot.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So, what do you think about these these four picks? I think that for right now,
0: they're weighty, very weighty, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have been gravitating towards that more. And I think wanting to have more empathy and understanding. Case is something that I have on my list to read. And I also have The Warmth of Other Sons. I don't know that this will be the year that I read them. But, you know, if that's what you want to do, I think it's definitely commendable that she has taken the time to put together the resources that she did with Case. And I think that that one is a podcast that's going to be in sections that she discusses different parts of the book for. Uh, yeah, I can't say that this is a list that, vibe, that I vibe with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think she's trying to course correct a little, but I, I hope that going forward, she'll mix it up a
1: little bit that even if they are diverse picks, maybe be less lady. Yeah. Yeah. She seems to be in the mode of like, I've got to do things that are significant given the sort of social forces at work and given the state of the world, she's kind of gravitating towards the weightier stuff So next up, all right so the next one is read with jenna and this one is the one that i think i come the closest to in terms of my own natural reading because i look over her list and there's a lot of books on here i've either read or i have in the house and watch it read so her last few leave the world behind the Tr- transcendent kingdom the comeback here for it Friends and Strangers, a burning, all adults here, Valentine, writers and lovers. So first of all, she's gotta have some deal going with Book of the Month, because like I think almost all of these books were Book of the Month picks too. And I, I there seems to be an interplay between when she announces and when they announce, and they're obviously like coordinating a little bit. Um I think Jenna seems to gravitate towards storytelling. Like she mm-hmm. seems to really like, you know, cause her, her, her authors and her characters are a bit all over the map in terms of who they are, you know, wh- where these books are set. Um, she seems to just like really well told books. And I think, you know, mostly literary fiction, I would say maybe a bit more, some of it is more kind of like general adult fiction and then Trending like writers and lovers, I would definitely put that as literary fiction. Same with Valentine and same with Transcendent Kingdom. And I guess did you read behind. Valentine? I started it and I liked it, and for some reason I put it down and never picked it back up. So I I would like to finish it. Um, that was a, bo- a big book of the month pick for me, I think. And I don't know why I put it down. It's it's a heavy book. It's not light in any way. And a lot of her books here are pretty heavy. I haven't read Friends yeah, and Strangers. I think yet. last year
0: she had um, she she did
1: Patsy, which was yeah. heavy. Yeah, um, and I like that. Her books have some heft to them. You know, she's not adapting them. She's not starring in them, so she doesn't have that eye that Reese might. Um, but I I think just overall, I I trust I trust her as a recommendation source. Yes, I would
0: agree with that. I like, I mean, she, right out the gate, she's always had diverse offerings and, and I think has that literary sensibility going on. That mm-hmm. Everything, like you said, is something I've read, something that I saw that looked, you know, was on a list or was someplace that I trust in terms of book sources and probably comes, uh, more closely than any of these other lists of things that I would read. Yeah, for sure. Definitely right about that. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, so what was next on our list? Oh. Next next one up is um, Ashley Spivey's Book Club. And the books I have for the last year are a little lighter, some, than the other ones. Such a Fun Age, American Dirt, not late. I know. The Devil's Highway in five years. Beach read a good neighborhood and clap when you land. Are any of those really light? The Devil's Highway, Beach read is light. And okay, that's one in five years is. I mean, it's not light, but it's not. It's. I mean, it's a. It's sort of got a romance. It's got. It's very bittersweet, but it's. I wouldn't call it a heavy read. I don't think such a fun age was terribly heavy. Um, American Dirt. What is The Devil's Highway? I don't even know what that is. Uh, I want to say that it's true crime. I think you're right. Okay, so that's not heavy. Cloud When You Land, <laughs> I believe, is the book. Oh, that- that's not heavy? No, no, I said, so that's, I'm sorry, not light. Right. So right. true crime is not light. Clap When You Land, I believe, isn't that the book that was told in rhyme? Oh, I or Told know. in verse. Isn't um, that YA? It might be, yeah. I think that might be YA. So, I mean, hers are probably the most diverse in terms of genre and tone than the other ones. Um, but I mean, I, I just like her so much. Just, I love the community she's cultivated on Facebook. I like, you know, that she came, started from being on The Bachelor. Like, I just, 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 just seems like a very likable person. She reads
0: a ton. Um, she reads a
1: ton. Yeah, I really like her. She really
0: set herself up. When she discovered, I think that she could be a champion for books. Yeah. She really wanted to have diversity in her picks and, and find books and help, help the authors and help match readers with books that they might like. We had a, I actually met her at the Book of the Month party last year. So we had a long discussion about kind of the books she likes and what she feels is, I guess, her responsibility in exposing people to different kinds of books. And on her Facebook page you'll see that she has zero tolerance for mm-hmm. for intolerance. <laughs> yep. She's very clear about that. And she's the same way on her Instagram page, which I respect.
1: Yep. I think that she's pregnant. So I wonder if her reading will slow down a little bit after she has her baby. And I wonder if that's when she got a little bit lighter because I think Mm. The
0: ones that you mentioned earlier, they just, uh, the devil's highway and what else did you mention? The Good Neighborhood,
1: those, American Dirt.
0: Yeah. The Good Neighborhood, American Dirt. Those are not light books at all. Yeah. So maybe she, maybe she was reaching for something a little bit lighter as
1: her pregnancy progresses. because yeah. yeah. She's pregnant. Yeah. Well, she's a great person to follow. If you don't already, um, there's, a lot of offshoots too from her, just her book club. There's a whole swap community on Facebook where people swap books all the time. There's also a secret Santa thing where you can sign up and then you buy a book for somebody that's on their wish list and they, someone will send you a book that's on your wish list. So that's kind of fun. So before we close, I just want to
0: mention a few other book clubs in passing. Uh, I think that we mentioned last year, last time we did Sarah Jessica Parker. If you follow her on Instagram, I think she is a great source of literary fiction. There's a lot of her picks. Um, of course, she had her own imprint, which I don't know is active as active as it had been. Like maybe it's been on hold for the pandemic. I can't really find too much information, so I'm not sure if she's devo- resolved that partnership with Hogarth. I know that Gail and I. Read a couple of her books, and we both liked her choices. I hope that they,
1: they didn't dissolve that partnership. That was so cool.
0: Yeah, well, she had also been doing something with the ALA originally, which I think is where they kind of made her an ambassador. And she did mention some some books that she had recommended. One was Stephanie Powell's book, "No One Is Coming to Save Us." And uh, yeah, I really hope she didn't. I think the last thing that she put out may have been last year, and it was a book of poetry, which I can't recall the name of. Poetry just really is not my thing. But we've read Golden Child and A Place for Us, which were both excellent. Yes. So, but she's still recommending books on her Instagram so you can follow her there or, or go there to see her pics. Nicole Ritchie also, well, every few months or so, she will just post a shot of all the books that she's been reading, and I liked, I liked a lot of the books that she, that she had in her pictures, and of course she asked asked for recommendations.
1: What so kinds of books has, does
0: she read? I think that she's mostly a literary. I think she leans towards literary fiction. She has wide ranging. Pace, like some of them, she has Margaret Atwood, um, the sequel to Handmaid's Tale is there, Gilead, Remains of the Day. So she reads a lot of books that are, are kind of classics. Zora Neale Hurston's new one is on there. Um, Nickel Boys, Zadie Smith's Grand Union, Where the Crawdad sings is on her list. The Water Dancer by Tanahasy Coates, Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino. Uh, I would read what you know, I would read all these books. I have most of them. She has the farm. <laughs> <laughs> Girl on the Train, Gun Love, and American Marriage. And so, you know, she posts her pics, you know, of this is what I've read this half of the year, or whatever, tell me more to read. She posted a bunch of books, I think, at the beginning of the pandemic that she said she was going to be reading and asked for recommendations. And then she listed her favorites at the end of 2019. And I think that was when I was reading Crawdads, Nickel Boys, On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. Um, She has a Tom Robbins book on here, Good Earth by Pearl S. Buck. So it seems
1: like she reads literary fiction and classics. Yeah, interesting. Okay, whatever happened to Jimmy Fallon's book club? Was that just a summer thing? He did it two summers. He there was the summer that he picked
0: the YA novel that is a trilogy. Um, what so? What he does is he gives you five books. And then he has his audience vote. And I think he did it in 2018 and 2019. In 20 Let's see, which year is this? Okay, so in 2018, the picks were Providence by Carolyn Catmus, um, The Immortalist by Chloe Benjamin, IQ by Joe Ide, The Good Son by Yu Zhang Zhang, uh, Children of Blood and Bone by Tony Adeyemi. And that was the winner, Children of Blood and Bone. And then in 2019, he did The Gone Dead by Chanel Benz, Why Shemin is in Trouble, The Chain by Adrian McKinsey, uh, The Silent Patient, and Ask Again Yet. And which one? And Ask,
1: Ask Again Yet one. Okay. And then 2020 happened. And I think he didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. like most plans in 2020, fell by the wayside.
0: So we will see if Jimmy revives his book club in 2021. Uh, Andrew Luck was a football player. I think we briefly discussed and Mm -hmm. his was still going as of August 2021. And he does a YA pick and an adult pick each month. And he has discussions on the author. And I think he has a SoundCloud page that has all of his author conversation and he does a lot of literary fiction I think for his adult picks. do you know what his recent picks have been no he stopped in August and there was a young adult one but I didn't really pay too much attention because it seemed like he wasn't doing it mm-hmm. and also we had so many to get
1: to <laughs> right well I will Um, I will link to all of the places where you can find these book clubs there's sometimes they're a little hard to find but um, Right. Yeah. It's, it was hard to track down some of the yeah, information. Yeah, which is weird. Like I wish they would make it really easy. Um, but I'll link to them and I'll link to some of the books that we talked about in more detail. We, we mentioned so many books it would take forever just to list them all. But the ones that we've kind of given a little bit of attention to, I will also include in the show notes so that people can click through and see them.
0: And there were two more that I didn't mention, but I will ask Gail to include in the list because I think you might want to check them out. They looked interesting to me.
1: Okay. Um,
0: alas, the show has gone on. Right. It a long
1: one. Yeah. Well, I'm excited that there's people out there that are kind of curating these lists and promoting these books. And, you know, I don't do anything with them other than just kind of keep an eye on them and, and notice what they're reading. And I follow them on social media, but I don't sort of make an effort to time my reading to match theirs or anything. But And then the we'll link too. You should link to Barack Obama's picks. Oh, yes. He came out with his summer picks. Did he? I, I think even- he did this year. Yeah, I think he did. Seen those. It was just like <laughs> such a contrast to the current inhabitant of the Oval Office in terms of reading and, you know, celebration of diverse voices and uh, seeking understanding, of course. Well, we usually have a show where we talk about his picks. So
0: if we didn't get to them this year, then yeah we look forward to that at some point maybe yeah. we can hack it on
1: does he do christmas picks too i can't remember christmas recommendations
0: no i think he comes out maybe he does his summer reading list i think the next thing that he comes out will be the books he enjoyed most in 2020 yeah okay so maybe that'll be a good time to see what he read in the summer and see what music he was listening to
1: yeah
0: um interesting to me like i would be curious to see how his picks have changed since he's left the white house since when he was in the white house you would think that they would be so heavily scrutinized and he was trying to give a certain type of appearance i wonder if they have skewed any differently now that he's no longer
1: yeah uh, in the oval office i will say this my friend um, i have a very good friend here who plays golf and was playing golf on Friday and he sent me some video of the party playing golf behind him. And it was, of course, Barack Obama with some friends. And he is so skinny. Oh. Because he had shorts on, it was really warm here. And at first mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, I think that's Barack Obama. He had a hat on, so it was a little hard to tell, but I was like, he doesn't he's so lanky. And I didn't think of him as being that tall and lanky and it was him. And he apparently he's too really thin. So he must be working out a lot. <laughs> or do you think
0: the camera puts weight on people, makes you more presidential?
1: Possibly. But I mean, like he was always in suits, you know, we just never really saw him like super right. casual. Yeah. Right. So it was fun to see, I guess he was, um, people were like applauding him when he would, you know when he would make a good shot. He was when he would do anything. Yeah, <laughs> and he was of course being very cordial and nice. He leaned to pick up the ball. Yes, <laughs> and everyone clapped. Uh, right. All right. Well, this has been a fun show. Um, check out these book clubs. Let us know which ones you like. What you think of these picks? If there's other book clubs out there that we don't know about, I know that there's some libraries that do book clubs. And I know definitely
0: tell us stores, if you have yeah. any other celebrities who are Instagram or. Twitter or whoever who more than usual share book picks. I'm, yeah. you know, always curious to see what people are reading.
1: Yep. All right. Well, until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonia.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.